What's going on, Trophy Kids? we got an awesome one here for you today. It is the College Football Show Week 3. We are bringing down the big games, talking about the USC coaching hire process. Got a couple bets for you. Got a lot of good information. This is a great one. So thank you for subscribing. Thank you for being part of the movement. Make sure you're sharing our information here. Make sure you're also following us at Trophy Kids Podcast on both Instagram and Twitter to make sure you're getting our extra picks and content. We appreciate the love and support, and let's go. Trophy Kids presented by Bad News Media. It is September 17th. We are back for the college football show week three. We brought Tim and Dante back on, of course, as always. We got a big game with Michigan State, Miami, which we will get to. But how are we doing today, gentlemen, just off the bat? Doing very well. We're doing fantastic. I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. Had a, a terrible gambling <laughs> gambling weekend. I've um, been waiting for that. Yeah. How long have you been waiting to use that line? Uh-huh. Yeah. You always ask us how we're doing and then <laughs> Well, he usually jumps. Us, right I don't think either of us have ever asked how he was doing. <laughs> yeah, we haven't, but he usually jumps right into the next topic. We've been doing so. this for how long and none of us have asked Nate how he's doing and now uh Shame on us. Jumps in there and says, "I'm not doing great." Yeah, Shit real, real rude of you all. Um, yeah, there's a lot of X's on that card. On oh man, <laughs> I looked back. I don't. I couldn't find a worse week. I went on Sunday one and six NFL two and seven total. It was, which is funny enough because I was talking to a guy from Xavier on Twitter because I had posted the college card where I went fifty percent again for the third week in a row. Like I just can't break it. Um, and I was like, I'm just disappointed in my standards, which it was a late night text. I was frustrated. I was more frustrated at the, not so much the picks, but two picks in particular. Um, and it was more just the frustration of losing basic gambling principles, losing sight of those and getting loose with it. But the NFL was just bloodbath. So my week has bitterly been just all film stats went into a hole came out the other side nfl podcast dropped you're listening to this on friday the nfl podcast we dropped it early thursday night um so make sure you check that out if you're you don't typically watch the nfl one there's a great great information there um we had to speed it up a little bit towards the end but yeah it was bad aaron Rodgers. i said it on the nfl show i aaron Rodgers looks like he's about six weeks away from opening a commune in uh, california and only eating what Mother Earth provides and smoking some fine herb. Like that's 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 where I feel like Aaron Rodgers is about six weeks away from. So he really he re- really screwed me in that over on that Saints Packers game, to say the least. And keeping yeah, I don't think he's too far away from retirement. Keeping, I think he's still coming out of retirement. He he didn't really retire, but I think he's coming out of retirement right now. Yeah, and and the frustrating pick for the listeners who might be following Twitter or whatever, the the one I was mad about was the Washington pick. I I knew better. We sat here on this podcast. How many times did we say that Washington was not a good football team? That Jimmy Lake is not a good coach. That his that the pro that the style he's trying to run offensively is just not going to work. And what do I do? I go out and take Washington plus six and a half. So we are not going to make those fundamental mistakes this week, gentlemen. We are not going to do it. I can't hear you, Dante. I don't know if you're muted. Oh, there we go. Um, yeah, we'll see. But big news in the college football world. USC job opening up. Clay Helton is finally fired. We did say it in our preview that USC has consistency problems. Clay Helton's been doing enough to kind of keep his job, but USC has finally realized that they are USC. It is not enough to be somewhat mediocre at that level, and they have clean, cleaned out Clay Helton. We have heard a plethora of rumors I'm going to throw it to you guys to start. I do have a take that I think – it's not hot now. It was a name that I didn't see circulating at first, but I think makes all the sense in the world. But I will I will hop to you guys first and your takes on the uh, USC job vacancy. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the only person who has come out and refuted, uh, albeit not very vocally, is Urban Meyer, who obviously I tweeted – uh, once USC had fired their coach slightly. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time here. Did you hear him, Tim, at all? The sound is coming in. I apologize. Maybe it's just my system, but yeah, I think 
Alright, cool. Well, this is lovely. I'm going to hope that uh, you all are coming in. Huh? I don't know what's happening at this point. Oh, this is just This is the this 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 makes sense for the week that we're that I'm having gambling wise that I'm I'm now having audio issues. Um I don't know what's This is great podcasting too by the way on all my uh my part here. Uh, yeah, I'm hoping that they can hear you. Um I I don't know. Yeah, it's it's an odd one. Well, it goes back in. Oh, see, you jump in like in and out there. Not for me. Okay, yeah. now you're, now you're coming in clear. Is it a short in your headphones? Yes. Maybe no. The let audio. Let get, get a hold of them. The audio levels on the Zoom recorder aren't great either. I mean, they're good now, but I don't know. Huh. It's weird. Wonders of the technology. All right, we're gonna pick up right here. Um, <laughs> thank you for for holding with us here, trophy kids. I appreciate the uh, the technical difficulties we're having. <laughs> Good night. Um, what were you saying, Dante, about the USC job? If you don't mind repeating for my I own. I was just talking about Urban Meyer, and he's he's the only person who, as of this recording, has come out to say that he will not be taking that job but we've seen him have heart troubles before and jump teams so don't be surprised if he does end up there yeah i wouldn't be surprised about urban meyer going there um spending his year at uh, jacksonville realizing it's not really for him so i wouldn't expect to see them actually hire anybody until yeah the end of the nfl season just because of that urban meyer possibility and it seems like usc may or may not have always been exploring that possibility as well um before they fired Clay Helton. Um, but that's all speculation as well. So who, who really knows what they're doing? I do think James Franklin would be like a perfect fit. Like he does seem like the used car salesman who would embrace the California lifestyle pretty big, be a huge boisterous personality over there in California. Um, and he did he not refute from, it when, they, when he was asked about yeah. it. Yes. Yes. Yeah, which makes this this upcoming game we're going to talk about later here a, a tough one for me to handicap. Um, yeah, so right now the list that I've been seeing, correct me if I'm wrong and you guys seen have seen different, it's essentially Urban Meyer, P.J. Fleck, Luke Fickle, because the AD at USC is the one who hired him at UC, and he is one of the best coaches in the country. Um, James Franklin, Urban, who am I forgetting? Eric Benemy in the NFL. Yeah, and then Dante Williams, who is the current coach, yes. interim coach. Yeah, yeah, I don't. You know, he is a he is a heck of a recruiter. Um, he landed a bunch of guys at uh, Oregon. He landed one of USC's top guys. I saw. Um, I don't know a ton about him. The Urban thing's interesting. I don't think that they can wait to the end of the season in the NFL because of how college works and needing to get a jump start on recruiting and and everything else. So. Yeah. I also, you know, we talked about on the NFL show the d just disaster Jacksonville is going through, um, and there's rumors that it the players are, you know, not not taking fancy and kind to his his coaching. Um, here's a name though, it's circulated a little bit. To me, it makes perfect. One, I think Luke Fickle. I don't think he's going to take the job, especially now with nah. UC heading to the Big Twelve. But he is, I think, the best candidate. Um, as far as coaches outside of Urban that are currently coaching in college. Um, but here's the name that makes all the sense to me. It gives them a jump on coaching, and I don't know why it isn't their top priority right now. Bob Stoops. Why have nope. we not been talking about Bob, Bob Stoops? Stoops? Bob Stoops. Old man. Bob yeah, Stoops. USC is not going to take Bob Stoops. Bob Stoops is a national winning uh, coach. He had Oklahoma at its peak performance under his watch. Gave the reins over to Lincoln Riley. He gets a jump start on recruiting if you hire him early. Jump start before you're going to be able to do Luke Fickle. Unless they lose to Indiana or Indy and Notre Dame here, he's not going to be available. Matt Campbell's not going to be available. 
PJ might be available. Um, Urban yeah. would have to jump Wait, if ship. Matt, if, if, P, if PJ isn't available, or if PJ might be available, why wouldn't Matt Campbell be available after that last They're time? still in it because he could win a Big 12 championship. Minnesota mm. ain't doing anything in the Big in the Big Ten. Um, I think Bob Stoops is the perfect perfect fit here. If great recruiter, national championship coach, basically handed over the program better than he found it to Lincoln Riley. I don't see a downside here. <laughs> yeah, I don't hate it, but I also think that that whole thing with Lincoln Riley was a little weird too. Like, there's got to be more to it. I don't know if he really does just want to retire. Where was the last place we saw Stoops? Was he in XFL? That, uh, when he hold, uh, the XFL? Yes. <laughs> XFL. Forgot about that. And he has not denied the job either. He has not denied interest in the job. Man. He's like Jesus take the wheel approach, essentially. I guess maybe. <laughs> I don't know. If they hire Bob Stoops, I'm, I would be upset, and I don't even like USC. <laughs> <laughs> I think, because in my opinion, you, I mean, you are, you fired Clay Helton early. You have which to, you should have. Which you should have, but you've now put yourself in a position with everybody that you were trying to recruit. Mm-hmm. You are now losing ground there because they do not know who the head coach is. They are being recruited by other schools. If you don't want this recruiting class, which is already going to take a dip, regardless to be a complete and utter waste and really handicap your coach. I think you have a major problem with the available talent pool because James Franklin ain't jumping chip right away. You know, they're in it. it. Luke fickle's not in it unless urban Meyer jumps ships. Like he's a good, he has the credentials. He has the ability to recruit. Cristobal I saw was on there, which there's no way in hell he's leaving Oregon. Um, So that was my, my kind of like, this makes perfect sense to me. Now, there are coaches that I think, like like I said, Luke Fickle's out there. Eric Benemy's super interesting to me because he's clearly a great coach and offensive coordinator. I just don't know how he right. fits on the recruiting college side. Because um, that was the same thing with like Brian Dable, the OC at the Bills. You know, He was at Alabama and Nick Saban, but I don't know what that transition would look like coming back. You know, Similar things. That's such a huge risk for USC, a program that really needs to get going. Well, and then for... Uh... Eric as well, it could be a detriment to his aspirations to coach in the NFL. Absolutely. If he goes to USC and lays an egg, you know, he's not Nick Saban. He's not Urban Meyer. Correct. You know, so, I mean. That one didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So, right, yeah, that Nick Saban one. I, all the, you know, coaches jumping from college, jumping from the NFL to college and then jumping back to college, I'll never understand those things. But it worked out for Nick Saban, right? Yeah. It's, um, th- one thing I will say is USC and recruiting. I don't know if recruiting is going to hurt that much because, as we mentioned earlier, Dante Williams is there, and he not just because of my namesake, but he has done a lot to <laughs> help recruiting at USC. So I think it'll be a dead. I think right now USC is probably in the best place they can be with the interim coach as far as it goes with the recruiting. Um, I think on a large scale, I think you're right. Like as as this goal, as this coaching um, search drags on, then yes, I do think it hurts the brand with the recruits a little bit. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it's tough, and you're in such a prime spot. Like really, USC. I don't understand how these programs ever have dips. The UFCs of the world, the Miamis, outside of the sanction periods. But like, who doesn't want to go play there? Like what? What 18-year-old kid, if you have a half-competent coach, doesn't want to go play there? I don't understand it. Um, so it, it, it's just I I liked the Bob Stoops name. I think that would be a good hire. There's a bunch of hires that I think would be good. Um, the James Franklin's interesting because he has such a good recruiting class coming into Penn State, but that, that situation, as we've been talking about, is, I think, rocky. He'd be an interesting fit. Um he can obviously recruit the hell out of it, but my concerns, once again, are he has yet to find stability as an OC in Penn State and kind of the turmoil there, but it would be an upgrade, a clear upgrade over what they've had at Clay Helton. Yeah. And uh, I, frankly, may also use this as, like, a leverage to renegotiate oh, at Penn State. Yeah, be yeah. smart about so. it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's my thoughts on the UC hiring job right now is, I mean, it's a premier job, so you, you got to get it right if you're a USC. And there's 
there's reason to believe they should be able to get it right. The AD did make the hire of Luke Fickle at UC, got him there. So, he, you know, he's got a track record at least, uh, of at least one very good hire that I know of. Yeah, and yep. even if they don't get it right, they can still get it okay, yes. right? They can still <laughs> they can still <laughs> do better than what they did. Yeah, and that's not to say I like Clay Houghton as far as a coach, but just not at USC. He needs to be at like a Kansas or like uh, I don't know. Kansas. Temple or something like that. He's a good football coach. I think like in X's and O's teaching the game, he's not half bad. It's just not at a premier school. <laughs> is essentially where I'm at. He'll be but don't worry, he'll be in the Nick Saban rehab program here, I'm sure, within the next month or so. Of course. Alrighty, any other thoughts before we, we move on from that? No, USC, don't fuck this up. Mm-mm. I'm with you. <laughs> All right, let's get into some games. Let's just start it off. It's a noon game. If you're watching this podcast, you clearly know the lean of these two. If you're new to it, you may not. Um, But anybody who is here knows the lean. I am going to rely on you guys a lot for this one. I have some opinions on this, but I I need a little help with the pick. We've got Miami-Michigan State. Kickoff is at noon in Miami. The line is right now at 6.5. Miami's the favorite. Over-unders at 56.5. Give me your first read thoughts on kind of where this game's at and, and where you guys are at right now. Tim, you want let's to just say this? Let's just say I'm scared. <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> the reason I'm scared is because I have such high hopes um, after watching those first two games and watching us actually have athletes on the field. made me feel like we could at least compete with Miami. And then seeing Miami struggle against App State and get smoked and looked like they didn't even belong on the field with Alabama, like most teams look like. Um, Made me feel like we got a real shot to actually win this one. Um, So that's kind of where I am with that. Um, I'm hoping that their depth doesn't come into play with the heat, with the cramping possibilities Mm -hmm. down there, because we don't have much depth, because we had to bring in all brand new talent this year. Um, so that's where, that's what worries me out is if, is if we do end up in a dog fight and if we do end up with players cramping and not being able to, to last throughout the game, then I do think we, uh, have a little bit of an issue. But other than that, man, I'm, I'm really excited to watch this team, uh, go up against Miami and I think we got a shot. Yeah. So it's transfer you versus the you, right? <laughs> and Here's the thing. This is going, I know we say it all the time, we need like a cliche button, but this is going to be a game of who breaks first, right? So Miami has a stellar, their their defense isn't great, but they do have a stellar run defense. And Michigan State is going to try to run the ball down their throat. With that said, Miami's offense, we haven't seen them do much, but Michigan State is terrible on third down. Just awful i mean you if you watch that youngstown state game young we probably should have shut them out but a few times they got they got around it because for uh, for whatever reason on third down msu just stopped blocking you know or stopped guarding the um the, the line to gain um and so it's going to be can michigan state uh get it together on defense which i don't think that they can But does that mean Miami is going to put up enough points, right? Or does it mean Michigan State is going to put up enough points if the ground game isn't there and we have to switch to throwing? Uh, It's going to be an interesting game. Where I'm at, Nate, I think six points is too many for Miami. Even if Miami wins, I think six is too many. I'm thinking that this is going to be maybe like a field goal game. Um, But I am 50-50 on it. I I can't say either way. I would love – I'm like Tim. I'm excited. And I would love to be like, yes, Michigan State is going to get in there, go in there and win. They definitely have a chance, a huge chance to win. I just don't know. Miami has the personnel. We just haven't seen them perform as well as they should have. Yeah, the only thing I disagree with you on there, Dante, is the six points. You think it would be a close win for Miami. I think if Miami wins, it'll be a blowout. Um, So you think a close game, Michigan State wins? I think a close game, Michigan State will be able to pull it out. But that's also my confidence kicking in for no real reason. I mean, we played Northwestern and Youngstown State, so what do we really know about it? What do we? Um, (laughs) I I can't see Miami doing a blowout though. 
even a I bad feel, Michigan State. The only team. reason I feel like that is because I feel like it, it Derek King will just get loose and it all clicks at some point with his wide yeah. receivers. And our secondary is not no. great right now. Um, we got some good safeties, but that's about it. Um, so we will see. One thing I didn't know was that um, Ronald Williams never really played corner, even though he came as this big heralded um, transfer from Alabama. Like, he didn't start playing corner until Juco. And then he got hurt at Alabama his first year over there, even though he was lining up against uh, what's-his-face that just got drafted by the Heisman from last year. Um, why am I drawing a blank on his name? Somebody help me out? Anybody from Alabama? Heisman last year? Yeah. Devontae Smith. Yeah, Devontae Smith. Even though he was lining up against Devontae Smith in camp, um, and then before he got hurt, he uh, he never really played corner, so I'm not that surprised. We could be – Rico Beard up here in Detroit brought it up that we could be looking at like a Justin Lane um, situation with him where he struggles, but he's got all the athletic tools, and then it finally clicks later in the season. So. Yeah. We will see with that. We will see if things click for our corners. If not, we could be in some trouble. Well, that's that's sort of my – I have a couple concerns. Top towards that list is we have yet to see uh, – it is – Michigan State has yet to play against a team with the athletes that Miami has. Like, now, Miami has not played as a team yet, like good team football, where you can make the argument Michigan State has put together good team wins, i.e. Northwestern. Um, but that is a concern, a concern. Tim hit on it kind of a little bit. There is the depth and just the weather they're going to be dealing with. It's going to be hot. It's I think projected to be like 90 degrees with like 80% humidity or something. It's going to feel like it's over a hundred. It's muggy. I did check. This is the handicapper in me. I was like, what uniforms are, are they wearing? Cause I thought for about a half second, they might throw on those all black uniforms midday and I was like, that's worth at least a field goal points. Michigan State will be in the white. That is yep. helpful. Mm-hmm. They are wearing orange. So, I mean, not Ooh, orange, super cool, lovely. but still, you know, that, that's not – the color doesn't do great uh, for the heat. But that is – the big concern for me in depth is really the line because Miami looks to play a pressure game. They were top 10 in Havoc last year, top 10 in tackles for losses. They blitz a ton. Manny Diaz relies a ton on playing on the opposite side of the ball. So how does the O-line hold up, and how does the defense hold up against athletes that they have yet to see this year um, are sort of my big two concerns. On the flip side, I think if you guys, if, if the overall sentiment is our offensive line should be able to hold up decently and they're able yes. to run Walker, I think they can easily stay in this number because if they can muck it up, with the run game and kind of keep Miami from getting in a flow and kind of really running their offense. This is a very doable number for Michigan state at six and a half. I think. See the other thing too, which I think is funny, just reading some of the reading, some of the Miami um, uh, uh, news writers is Miami is terrible at, guarding against the screen pass but so is michigan state (laughs) at the screen so we might just see a game where with a bunch of screen passes uh which Which is crazy because we have the running backs to do it too yeah we have the running backs to do it yeah so (laughs) it's a lot of getting linemen out in the open running though i don't know i I like it but i also once again my my primary concern is durability in this game and are they going to have to because I, I think I believe I saw something where they're they're potentially planning on rotating in and out linemen to try to keep them Michigan from State cra- yeah from cramping yeah. and just breaking down which is a little concerning on my front yeah. as somebody who has not paid super close to the to the program but when I was researching it I like like I like Michigan State as my gut but I those are my concerns going into this yeah there were a lot of like ticky tack injuries in that Youngstown game too. Mm-hmm. Um, so hopefully that doesn't come back and um, bite us. So we feel in Tim's, what do you, what are, what are our leans? I guess right now I do have a pick in this game for the end, but um, I don't I know. I mean, I'm my, leaning Michigan state, but only a little Michigan state. That's, that's <laughs> also where I'm at. Michigan yeah. state and Michigan state money line, because I don't know that well, it'll really be a close crazy, game. But <laughs> my, my also thing is that the line for Miami has not progressed. Uh, Diaz no. is not a good head coach. He's a great defensive guy, great defensive mind. 
can coach defense well, but it, it, when it comes to running a program, he's just not it. And the U needs to get back going. The U has a hard problem, too, because, like, you know, in college football, home field matters. There is nothing going on with that stadium. I've been to that stadium. It is so far out of the way. There is nothing going on around it. There's, like, a weird old, like, gambling racetrack across the street. Yeah, isn't it, like, 35 minutes from their campus? Yeah, it's terrible, dude. Like, I don't know what... I don't know. I don't think you can necessarily fix that because you're not going to build a new stadium, but it, it's a detriment to the program as a whole, I think. Like, it, on the scale of things that are causing the U from not coming back, it's a small one, but that is... Like, there's not going to be a huge home crowd for this. So that helps Michigan yeah. State, and that helps Thorne. So we'll see. I think there will be a huge Michigan State contingent down there, too. I hope so. I would I think really so. Hope I think so. there will be a huge Michigan State contingent down there. All righty. Any other yeah. thoughts on that before we uh, move on? Nope. All righty. Let's go. little Purdue-Notre Dame. This is going to be a quick one for me. But this is, wow, There we are just, I don't know what is going on with the sound system today. Um, everything is just getting jacked up. Um, the uh, I apologize if, if the, the levels are, are jacking up here on you guys. But the, what was I going to say? This is, the, this is a game that I'm watching very closely. Because for me, Notre Dame has to get a couple things right. The offensive line, defensive line dynamic in this game is so very important. Notre Dame is trying to figure it out. They're on their third string um, left tackle right now. They're trying to replace four starters, all of whom are on NFL rosters from last year. They're, they have not looked dominant at one point or another. Um, this is a very important game to watch line play, in my opinion. Um, I don't know what your guys' feel on this. Purdue is very good on the defensive line. Um they're good in their front seven. Their back seven is not great, but they're strong up front. Those are kind of the areas I'm looking for. This is a game, too, where I am. We need to filter this away for UC down the line in some of their bigger games that they're about to hit because they're about to hit a brutal stretch Notre Dame coming up here. Um, but what are you guys feeling? Where are you at with this one? I'll be honest. I don't have much, Nate. Um, I don't have much on um, Purdue. So when it comes to that, I don't really know what to do with Notre Dame because um, I don't know if they're going to show up or if that Florida State game was really fake. Um, I think we might have seen two mediocre teams going against each other, and it made for a great game, and it was very entertaining. Um, but it didn't really um, mean that the level of those two teams was any good. That's true. I think Purdue definitely has a chance here. Um, Notre Dame's run defense, not really that great. And Purdue has the weapons to both run and um, catch. So I think that uh, – and that Purdue has been stingy with the ball as well, not only holding the ball for a long time but not turning it over. I, I think if Notre Dame makes one too many mistakes, as this is now is going to be my famous line, you could be looking at Notre Dame on the wrong side of a 20-point deficit. Um We'll see, though. I mean, this is also like a little bit of a rivalry game, right? Or like an old-school rivalry game. So there's weird stuff in there. Also, Purdue does not have their giant Yep, drum. I was just about to say that. Yeah, <laughs> they don't. So how, will will that translate to on-field and them being upset about not having their drum and they just go into South Bend and, and uh, you know, take one for Notre Dame? Yeah, and Notre Dame's not allowing them to use the main tunnel. The reason they can't have their drum is because it doesn't fit through the tunnel they got to go through, and Notre Dame is refusing to allow them to go through the main tunnel. So that is, that's a, that's an element within the game. It's a game within the game here from a, a handicapping standpoint. I should have started off the lines at 7.5 right now, over-unders at 58.5. Uh, I'm not going to pick a side. I lean Purdue. I may end up betting this game. We're going to see. I want to... I wanna, I need to do a little bit more digging on, on Purdue, but I do lean a little bit Purdue because that offensive line, Notre Dame hasn't looked dominant in any facet of the game. The defense hasn't looked very good. Hamilton's, They're sneaking away with wins. Yes, uh, yeah. against a Florida State team that, you know, there was a huge bump from the home field opening game. They really kind of put all their eggs in that basket, but they didn't look great last week. Like, they, they were in too close of a game there. So I'm with you on that. All righty. My, this is my... Should we do my lock of the week now, or should we go with some other games? You're going to know the lock of the week by the end of let's, this. But... Let's do your lock of the week right yeah, now. Yeah, I think you already know where I'm headed with this. 
UC Indiana lines at three and a half over unders at 49 and a half. I'm going to let you guys Uh take this first and then we'll, I don't, I don't have much on this game other than I have to watch it. You know, I don't know why this is your lock of the week, Nate. If I think I know where you're going with this, um, because the line just scares me. I mean, everything in me tells me the way it should be, which would be UC to kind of dominate this game and win this game. Um, Because I don't think Indiana's looked that great. And Michael Penix Jr. just does not look like uh, he's any good back there. And so... He's a shell of himself. Yeah, mm -hmm. last year, yeah. Yeah, so I don't really know what to do with that. I don't like the line just being at three and a half, though. So here's what I got on this game, and I've got a, a little a bit on this. Um, the first point, we do not as a sports media, football media, whatever, have been talking enough about Desmond Ritter. Who, When we talk mm. about top quarterbacks in college football, how many times do we talk about Desmond Ritter? He is one of the best quarterbacks in the nation, and I've felt that way. I mean, he was, he was trending that direction. I saw him play. He grabbed my eye when his freshman year, and that's when I was like, oh, UC's got something here. It's a small sample size right now. But right now he's fourth in the nation on passing yards per attempt. He's third in passing efficiency rating. He's 12th in completion. You go back last season, he's 28th in passing yards per attempt, 21st in passing efficiency. He was 85 in completion, but per, uh, Purdy at Iowa State, who everybody raves about, was behind him in that. He was the fifth. He had the 54th lowest interceptions, only six last season. He had 22nd in touchdowns in 19. The dude is a stud. He can run. He is one of the best quarterbacks. He is a game changer. We, I want, I'm on the Desmond Ritter train. I think that people need to be talking about him more when we talk about college quarterbacks. He seems to always get left off the list for whatever reason. Maybe it's because he plays at UC, but it is, he is fantastic. And this offense, I think, will roll. The big thing is the defense here. We saw what happened with Indiana when they played Iowa. Mm-hmm. UC is about par on the defensive line from, I think, as Iowa. PFF has them as the number one pressure rate defensive line right now in college football. Paxton, as we alluded to, is a shell of himself. He has not done well under pressure. In the Idaho game, yes, they won 56-14. Penix, sorry, sorry. Um... They, you look at the box score, huge win, right? But when you break it down, he got pressured on 39 of his pass, passing attempts there. You see yeah. that number is going to be way higher. Um, and some of that's not his fault. That oh, line yeah. in Indiana is terrible. And I, Yeah, that's not the impression. I'm not trying to give it as his fault. I'm just talking about the concerning part of what he looks like when under pressure. And that's almost entirely because the O-line has yet to figure it out. They didn't figure it out last year. They got him killed. They haven't figured him out this year. They're going to get him killed again. That's really kind of where I was going. Um, and he he hasn't been able to push the ball down the field. He has looked rattled at times. He's overthrowing guys who's trying to get the ball out. He can't really move it with his legs. He's had two knee surgeries on the same knee. Like, he's had huge career-altering injuries. And he's a great quarterback when you give him time. But he's not going to have time here. And even more importantly, we've seen... Yes, this UC team is not necessarily the same team as last year. There's been a little bit of a drop-off defensively, but not really. And I think we are seeing that while Marcus Freeman was a good DC, it there are signs that it's mostly Luke Fickle behind the scenes here on this defensive side of the ball because there has not been a drop-off in scheme or production. We've seen struggles at Notre Dame. That's not to say Freeman's not a good DC and he's not going to be fine, but I think that Luke Fickle's got a lot going on here, and so I love UC in this game just because there are problems. I just don't know how I use. I don't know how this game doesn't look exactly like Iowa for IU. Essentially, their offense versus UC's defense, and then on the other side of the coin, I think Desmond Ritter is phenomenal. I think he's the X factor in this game, and that's why they cover the three and a half. The only reason I give pause is because this game should be like a six and a half, seven point spread to me. Oh, the line sucks. Um, yeah, I don't love it, but I think so there's some. The, the line high. smells. The line smells iffy to me. Um, that's why I don't love it. I do like UC, and I am going to go with UC in my pick um, to cover the three and a half, but I don't love it. So that's why I wouldn't make it my lock of the week. Well, my other thing, too, is that that defense on uh, Cincinnati's part, they can get pressure without blitzing or with blitzing. So they have the ability to just in-game to what they're seeing. If they need to dial up pressure by bringing some blitz, they can. If they need to keep more guys back because, you know, 
Indiana's starting to roll offensively in the pass game, they can do that. They have so much flexibility on that side of the ball. Trophy kids, we are getting dangerously close to me switching my pick to IU just because Nate loves this game so <laughs> yeah, much. He loves it too much. He loves I, it. I love I this. Like how much he loves this game. Love this. I know. Watch. I, this is the game where they blow up, and then everybody's like, "UC's a fraud." But I am so high on, yeah. on Ritter, and I'm Indiana so high. Hangs forty on him or something. <laughs> yes. That that is that is the only reason I'm pausing, and I'm. I was pausing before Nate talked so confidently about UC, and it's causing me to pause even more to the point of almost switching. I'm big, and it, it it is a it's a this is a huge game for us to get data points for the eventual Notre Dame Cincinnati showdown. I mean, they have to get through this. There's no look ahead. This is and this is the other thing. This game has been scheduled. This has been circled on their schedule all season long. Like UC has yeah. been looking to get off the ball here. Is it scary if UC does blow Indiana out? Because then Indiana looks bad. Oh, like they are. I was just, I was and just... then once Indiana looks bad, then they got to look forward to Notre Dame. And if Notre Dame struggles against Purdue, what are we looking at from UC? Like they tried to have all these good games. They're not going to have any until they get into their conference. And they'll be lucky if Memphis is able to to kind of pull through maybe. But other than that, like... I was just thinking about this from the other side of that is this is a week. And for the Big Ten to prove itself against all these ranked opponents. Yep. Um, and see, because obviously OSU let us down last week it, for the Big Ten, right? So, you know, when I was watching that game, I explained it like, hey, if OSU went, loses, you know, it kind of brings down a little bit of the brand of the Big Ten. But, I mean, we got, we got this. IU versus um, Cincy. We have Penn State versus Auburn. We got Michigan State versus Miami. Can the Big Ten go out there and show on a national stage that it's a real football, com- you know? Yeah. <laughs> a, it's it's a, a, a viable for the number one, yeah, football conference, yeah. yeah. And, and sorry, to when I was also, I, I forgot to just list it off the listeners. So when I told, said that Notre Dame has to get right in their Purdue game, it's because they face Wisconsin next week, and then they get UC, and then they get Virginia Tech, and then they got USC, which isn't great, and then UNC. It's a tough stretch for Notre Dame. Um, so mm-hmm. to Tim's point, yeah, UC might be looking at a, a weaker loss, but there's still big brand-name wins that jump off the page when you beat them, especially if you beat them in dominating fashion. Now, I, like I said, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but I do love, love UC here. Um, they're my pick of the week. Um, I, okay. I just I'm very high in this this program. So maybe I'll be I'll be the idiot, maybe, or I'll be the one – like I was with Oregon and saying, now I didn't predict they were going to win. I did predict they were going to cover. But sitting here saying, this team is legit, and you cannot sleep on them. Very similar. Now, I was very wrong about some other teams, but, you know, I'm high on this. And the Desmond Ritter thing just pisses me off because he should be getting way more attention than he gets. Yeah. All right. Any other thoughts before we move on? I don't want to steal any of your limelight on this no, one. No, y- y'all crack oh. me up talking about Cincinnati during football season (laughs) (laughs) it's not it doesn't feel natural to me Uh, we'll put it that way i just i i just want somebody to show up to the dance that isn't expected to like i just i so badly want it maybe that's part of me doing that but i i do believe in luke fickle and i do believe in this team for this game at least now we'll see once again this purdue notre dame game is huge for me getting eyeballs for them when they play It, it goes both ways this game is so big for that that key matchup two weeks from now um all righty he has the mid-major hopes all, yes. all on them. <laughs> all on them, for sure. Especially with teams taking losses in Ohio State and in Clemson yep. early. And so, yeah, they've there. Yep. there's a door that's – it's not it's not wide open, but there's a crack I mean, they have it. to run the ta- – since, since he has to run the table. Yes. Maybe oh, they can drop one, maybe. Yeah. But they, I, they couldn't even drop no, one. No, they can't yeah, drop they gotta, one. They got to win they the whole thing. They can't even come close to dropping one. Yeah, they got to win the whole shebang. All righty. Well, then, they have to run the table. <laughs> yes, yes. yes. All right, Alabama, Florida. This game's Ugh. been getting some press. Yeah, I have some thoughts. I went back and I watched watched some tape on Florida, dug into it a little bit. The line last I saw was at fourteen and a half. Still at fourteen and a half. Depending on the sports mm-hmm. book you're at, this is why you should shop sports books. Some places are showing fifteen. Some places were showing fourteen. I'm getting fourteen and a half. That's the number we're going to use here. Where is your lean? right now on this or do you have a pick I'll, I'll i'll kick it to either one of you at, at this point and what you're thinking 
This one, I really like Florida to cover, to be honest with you. Um, I, it scares me with how good Alabama looked. Um, but it, again, it's Bryce Young being young. He's going down to the swamp. I mean, Florida's no joke. And yeah. if they get the production out of this true freshman that they have at quarterback who has been running like crazy um, for Florida, I know that brings up both true freshman games, both true freshman quarterbacks now in big pressure situations and which one's going to handle it better. Um, but at least at Florida, you have somebody else to go back on and you can look for the electric plays out of the true freshman and then go back to Emory Jones if you need to, um, where you don't really have that ability with Bryce Young. Yeah. I, so for me, Bryce Young goes down to the swamp and maybe he gets rattled by um, the the environment. But on the other hand, Alabama puts up so many points in the first half of games. Can Florida uh, well, withstand the tie? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Can they even um, can they stop Bama from scoring if Bryce Young gets into a rhythm? And even if they can't, can they score enough points on Alabama's defense to you know win the game? I don't think. Part of me is like, this game isn't that close. But then part of me is like, well, this almost is like, this game will have, like, you know, college playoff implications. So does that give Florida, right, does that give Florida a little more oomph? And they are at home. And this is the first time we've seen home. We talked about it last time, like, how much our home crowd is going to affect games. Yeah, it's a huge, it's a huge factor in in college football, as we, as we talked about, and I kind of forgot about because dumb COVID brain when we, we first kicked off the season, which is going to be a factor when we talk about the night game. This game is is interesting to me because everybody wants to crown Alabama. They just want to crown them the national championship right now and say there's nothing you can do about them. I disagree with that strongly. This offensive line has shown some weakness, especially when you do some things creatively on the defensive line, as well as do some things creatively in blitzing. Bryce Young has been out of this world statistically on pressure rates and his ability to get rid of the ball and complete passes for huge plays down the field. When you look at his numbers, it's insane. I don't know if he can keep that up. My biggest concern here, and the Alabama's defense is the best defense we've seen in a long time, my biggest concern here is Emory Jones and the Richardson back-and-forth thing Dan Mullen's got going on. I don't think you can do a two-quarterback system and beat Alabama. You have to allow guys to get into rhythms here and kind of play in the moments. Emory Jones, to me, I don't know why he's still really starting. I went back and watched the game. It, he must be doing something right in practice more than Richard. Like he, there, there has to be something, because I've watched those games. He's laid on a ton of throws. You get so much more explosiveness out of Richardson. Um, it, it's like I watched that University of South Florida, Florida game. Not great heading into Alabama week. Now, once again, Dan Mullins has also alluded to the fact that he's been holding some things back. So maybe that is why we, we've seen this play out, is because Emory Jones is just better at running the offense that Dan Mullen has been kind of scheming up for this game because Dan Mullen is a great schemer. But I just, I don't see it. And I don't, I do not like when you have a two-quarterback two system going into this big of a game because it just... It doesn't instill faith in one of the guys, I think, and it doesn't allow them to get into the rhythm of the game, which is important sure. in college football, in my opinion. Uh, does Richardson I, play this game, though? Because isn't he... He, he does have the hamstring issue, which is the other point I was going to bring up. So I don't know yeah. his status. But just the mere fact that it's been a battle, I don't see why it still is even a conversation outside of an injury, in my opinion. Yeah. Now, I might be missing something, but everything I've watched, I don't have a ton of confidence in Emory Jones, which gives me all the confidence in the world in Alabama to cover this spread. I guess the way I feel is that Dan Mullen has just been kind of easing Richardson into it rather than pulling him, maybe. throwing him full force into it to get him ready for this Bama game. So maybe he's got a little bit more confidence in him because he hasn't had to hasn't had to go through some of the mistakes or or overcome some adversity. So maybe that's why I think this works out as a two quarterback system more than most um, situations would. I wouldn't say that two quarterback situations really ever work out in college football, Mm -hmm. but for some reason I just have a different feeling around this one Um, as far as being able to ease Richardson into it, being the true freshman and still have Emory Jones there too. That's fine. Also, I should mention Dan Mullen is two and 28 against teams who finish in the AP top 10. So not a great track record here against the, uh, 
cream of the crop. Okay, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, maybe, maybe not. not. <laughs> this is a blowout, and we are just, this is a lesson in futility. Yeah, the things that, that give, uh, I think, Florida a, a chance is, like I said, the creative things they can do on defensive line with some stunts and, and kind of twisting guys around and some of the creative blitz and exotic blitzes they can bring. Um, you got the swamp fully rocking at 330. But yeah, to me, unless. Unless Bryce Young comes out and is completely different. Now, I do expect at some point some regression. I do think teams like Georgia are going to challenge him. But this Florida defense, is it's better. It's better than what they've had. I just I have a hard time seeing it's good enough to stop what we've seen right now. But there are some things they, they can take advantage of. It's just, I don't know. I, I think we're overthinking this one a little bit, and I think it's just Alabama. And you just take Alabama until proven wrong or until they play Georgia yeah. is my, my feeling on this. All righty. Let's talk about the night game. Auburn-Penn State. Line is at 5.5 last I checked. Minus 5.5. It is a whiteout in Happy Valley. Where do we stand on this game? Because I am been going all over the place on this. Back and forth. Bo Nix is historically bad on the road. I think we all know that. Nine true road games. He's only had one where he's thrown for more than one touchdown. That was against Arkansas in 2019. He threw three. He is 10-10 and 10 for touchdown-interception ratio in those nine games. Granted, with a different OC, or a different head coach, different scheme, but this is... And Clifford's not great either, so, I mean, where are we leading with this? <laughs> I don't I'm all over the place on this one for the exact same reason. I mean, Penn State has proven more by beating Wisconsin, mm-hmm. but Clifford looked terrible, and... The, the reason that Penn State's defense also looked so good were some of those red zone turnovers that Wisconsin had. And if they weren't red zone, they were just outside of the red zone um, or missed field goals. So it was just not great execution on Wisconsin was the main reason that they weren't scoring on Penn State's defense. Um, so that one gives me pause. But like you said, Bo Nix is so bad on the road. And Happy Valley is such a insane terrible yeah, insane. Try and play. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't think. I mean, Bo Nix has played what Akron and oh nobody yeah, and Alabama State <laughs> yeah. or whatever. Yeah, like <laughs> terrible State. teams, like offenses that so... aren't even in like the top hundred and fifty in the country too, and defenses <laughs> that mirror the same. Like uh, Auburn, there is something to be said to be battle tested. Penn State is battle tested right now. Mm-hmm. It's no joke to go into Wisconsin against that defense and get out with a win. Now you can make the argument Wisconsin threw away that game with their issues in the red zone and their turnovers, but they still won, and there's still some things there. But yeah, you're right. I mean, sorry not to interrupt too much there. And no, take no, the steal, no. And like, yeah. I, I'm just not convinced that Bo Nix is going to put together a complete game. Now, on the flip side of that does he have to put together a complete game to win against Penn State? Because as Tim alluded to, um, uh, Penn State did allow Wisconsin to get down the field a few times. And mm-hmm. can Bo Nix thread the needle enough to to outscore Penn State? I don't know. This game makes – this game to me is going to be one of those games where it's going to be like 25-17 or something like that. 24-17 yeah. or something like that. Um, and I don't know who who's going to – you know, I don't know which team is going to be. I don't know if it's going to be Penn State or Auburn. That's um, what makes I, me question it so much is because I – that's how I feel, but I don't – I question if Penn State can score 24 points on anybody. True. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's kind of the unique thing about this. The over is at – uh, under is at 52 and a half. I do sort of like the under Penn state has now, if you believe it or don't believe it, I think there is some truth to this. They have been also holding things back offensively. They do want to be more up tempo. They do want to be more kind of RPO. They have, we've have seen a huge increase in two tight end sets in motion and play action more importantly, which is what Clifford sort of makes him an actually good college quarterback we we broke that down when we did the big 10 I, I don't have the stats right in front of me but he is exceptionally better on, on play action than any other form and he does great when you involve heavy motions and they've been incorporating that you sort of saw it in the last game i went back and watched them uh, last week and it did seem like he was they were trying to start to kind of get ready to implement some new things but on the flip side of that in auburn mason the defensive coordinator made his living off of defending 
and made his name for himself off defending fast-paced RPO teams when he was at Stanford in the D.C. there and what he used to do to Oregon and the fits he used to cause them. So the schemes are very interesting here. I just have a hard time betting on Clifford, but then I, like you said, the flip coin is like, you want to bet on Bo Nix? Like, I, I just right. I can't do it. Like, it's just like, what are we doing here? So I lean to the thing, the trend that has been the biggest in college football, and that is home field matters a ton this year. And that's ultimately what makes me lean Penn State in this game. That's, I don't hate it. I like I the under probably the best. Where I am but that's like, that's worth at least a field goal. So then you're putting it at what, two, two and a half? I, I just, I have a hard time betting with Bo Nix, which also all time. Like, here's the other thing. If Bo Nix didn't have that phenomenal game against what? Was it Oregon? Yeah, Oregon freshman year. His dad didn't play for Auburn. You know, the if legacy Bo there. Nix wasn't named Bo Nix. Yeah, would he be the, would I mean, he be the quarterback? ultimate football name. If, if he wasn't named Bo Nix, would he still be starting? I go, dad was Auburn there. He wanted to play there in that Oregon game. That Oregon game has bought that man so much time. That Oregon game bought him a legacy at Auburn that I don't know is rightfully deserved. Now, I don't want to be too hard on the kid. He is a, a college kid. But I don't. I, I feel nightmarishy about him going into Penn State and, and getting trying to cover a five-and-a-half point. Now, if this number's at six-and-a-half, I don't know if I'm taking Auburn or I'm taking Penn State, but it's under a football number, five and a half. I kind of like Penn State there. That's where I'm at. All right. All righty. I think that's sort of, I don't know if there's any other things or, or games you want to give out as picks. I've got one that I'm going to give out as a pick, and then I've got a couple that I'm, I'm going to wait on. I'm going to tweet it out. Make sure you're following at TrivaKidsPod um, on Instagram and Twitter. I'll tweet out the card. I have some picks I want to dive a little bit deeper into tonight. But I got one game that I, I am going to make a, another pick at, and it's it's a risky one. We're putting small units on it, but I, I got one. I don't know about you, Tim, or, or Dante, if you have other games that you're wanting to pick out there. Um, the only game that I have is this Tulane Ole Miss. Oh, yeah. 76.5 is what I saw. For points, and that to me, there's way too many points. Yeah, you just got to jump on the over. Yeah, <laughs> just have to jump on the over. Uh, the Something's over that high. Let it ride. The lane train, man. Lane train to USC, the return of the king. That That's where they need to go. It's time to bring home the king. And Tulsa ran it up on Oklahoma. Yeah, not that Oklahoma's defense is anything. I think that also was a little bit, you know, coming off the hurricane, a little extra moment, caught them off guard. But, yeah, no, they did. They've got some ability, playmaking ability there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have one I have one weird line I still want to talk about, and that's Minnesota plus two and a half <sighs> yeah. versus Colorado. I Why? think this is an overreaction. This uh, is a trap, right? Uh, so is that's this the same thing as your UC uh, game where you just think that, that Vegas is wrong? I th- I think it's an overreaction to Colorado playing close against Texas A&M and Minnesota, you know, having to kind of the box score being a little closer than it probably should have been last week. But when you watch that game, first half, Minnesota was good. I look at this game this way. I think Colorado played a hell of a game against Texas A&M. I think Texas A&M is a little overinflated. I think it's tough when your quarterback breaks his leg to bring in a backup, all that. Minnesota is the exact team they were when they played Ohio State, they're going to lean on the run. They're going to lean on their big guys up front. They're going to get some explosive pass plays out of Morgan against this Colorado team. The question is, where's is Colorado at? I lean Minnesota in this game. I just, I think it's an overreaction number is my, like, but I'm with you as it's, it does. It's just weird. It, I don't love it. Yeah. Like I'm not over here. Like, yo, bet the house on this, take out, mm-hmm. take out a subprime mortgage loan and, you know, lay it on Minnesota. But, um, it's yeah, it's it's a tricky line, but I I do think it's an overreaction line, which we get in college football all the time. But I, I think it's a bit of an overreaction mm-hmm. line. Mm-hmm. That's my read on it, at least, because I I just okay. think Minnesota that, can control the that game. That was my initial read on it too. I I think Minnesota plus two and a half um, would be my pick there, or is my pick there. I agree. I I agree. Um, could be very wrong, but I just uh, yeah, it's just it you reads overreaction to me. The one pick I'm making that's a bit of a risk, Boston College minus 15 and a half first Temple. My the Red Bandana game didn't help. Phil Dracovic 
was out with a hand injury in the first quarter, having season-ending hand surgery. Dennis Grossel's the backup, though. Dude last year played one game, UVA, 32-46, 520 yards, four touchdowns, did have three interceptions. Not a great showing on the interceptions. They still won, shredded that team. Went back, watched the spring game, 8 for 12, 80 yards passing, 31 yards rushing, rushing touchdown, move his legs that... Temple's terrible. They give up 61 to Rutgers. Rutgers is like building something with Greg Schiano, but still 61. They did come beat come back and beat Akron 45-24, but it's Akron. Like I I just think Temple's really bad and I think there's a uh, BC's not going to have the season they were going to have with, without Phil Dracovic. That's just facts. But I do I don't put a ton of stock into spring games, but Dennis Gross looked good. Like he was moving within the system. He was moving within the pocket. He was Find a run if you need to run it and show athleticism. He's got a big arm. I kind of like them to cover the 15 and a half that they're getting right now. Um, it's a risky play, so we're not putting much on it, but I do like them to cover that that spread. It's 14 and a half now, too, by the way. Better. 14 and a half, I'll take it. <laughs> I also like Wash, uh, West Virginia this week against Virginia Tech. That's the other one. Sorry. Those are, those are the picks okay. I'm willing to make right now. I do like West Virginia over Virginia Tech. West Virginia is a much different team at home. That is a that is a okay. that is a team that performs much better at home. Virginia Tech does not play well in these types of games away. Um, I'm I'm on West Virginia as well minus two and a half this week. Another one that I like is Maryland minus seven. I I think Maryland is one of the best teams in the Big Ten. Could be one of the best teams in the Big Ten this year with Talia. Um, one of the best teams in the brother. best Big Ten. I mean, you saw Ohio well, State lose. I mean, they they beat. I mean, even in the Damn. East, too, you could see it top. We're saying they're better than Wisconsin, Ohio State. I I think they're they're much in the East. They're definitely top three. Oh, okay, in the yeah, East, they're I, I think that they're top three, right? I mean, they're right up. There I haven't with Michigan watched and Michigan much. State. Is where I would put them. Okay, that's fair. All right, I'll, I'll put them I up there. I think there's the clear Penn State, Ohio State up there, and then there's the next tier, and you have Michigan, Michigan State, and. Uh, Maryland, and I think they compete right in that um, tier with everybody. All right, I'll take that. So, and Illinois, I think it's just bad. I, I, Illinois is so bad. We, I said that be, after that yeah, Nebraska game. I it's said they're bad. Going to be a long first year for. Uh, they do get their quarterback still back. It's Brandon. I know, yeah. but I'm just saying. Um, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not just arguing that. I'm just saying there should be a little bit better. <laughs> I've seen impressive. Brandon Peters for probably the last six yeah. or seven yeah. years. In, uh, in college football. So um, that's why I do like Maryland here to cover the seven. It is a Friday night game, um, so it will be fun. And then after that, what did I have? I have, I have UC minus three and a half, Minnesota plus two and a half, um, Florida plus 14 and a half, Georgia Southern. I'm looking at a 23 and a half point um uh, spread that they can cover against Arkansas. I think Arkansas is uh, going for a big letdown game after their game against Texas. And Georgia Southern runs the triple option, which is nothing that uh, is ever easy to handle. So I think that they keep it closer than the 23-and-a-half number. Cool. And I think Arkansas is ready for a big letdown game there. Um, they'll still pull it out, I would think. But 23-and-a-half points is a lot. Yeah. Uh, the only other game is the NIU versus uh, Michigan to return to lock Rocky Lombardi to the big house. Um, obviously, I think Northern, I think the Huskies, they're the Huskies, right? I think they're yes. going to get blown, yeah. blown out. But I, I don't be surprised if Rocky Lombardi throws a couple of touchdowns. Fair enough. The other thing I'm interested too is Kent State first half against Iowa. I um, think that they might be able to smack them a little early. Another one of those letdown games, um, and then Iowa pulls through in the end. Um, so that's why I'm saying first half. I've got a uh, Fresno State also on there, plus uh, ten and a half is where it's at right now. I'd grab it before it gets much lower against UCLA. UCLA wins that game, but Fresno State Fresno State is tough and physical. I think that's a close game. UCLA still pulls it out, but very close game. I think. Mm-hmm. All right, that's all I got. I don't know if you guys have any final thoughts or anything before we wrap this bad boy up. I do have a participation trophy. Oh yes! Thank you for adulting, whoever we're awarding this to. Yes. Yes. What do we got? So, so my participation trophy goes to Michaela Pierce. She is the woman that got proposed to by the Florida State after the the, uh, upset by Jacksonville State. (laughs) 
Ugh, Why does that name sound familiar? Yeah, this week's been hell, but yeah, that uh, <laughs> that is fair. That is the British Asian Trophy of the week. With them celebrating in the background. <laughs> yes. All time yes. moment there. Oh, that is good. Yeah, thank you for coming out. And uh, <laughs> here's a writing or uh, an engagement ring. Yeah, that's she fair. got the ultimate participation trophy. Yep. There's a win and in, in a loss. I like it. <laughs> trophy kid of the week. All righty. Uh, that'll do it for us. As always, peace. Peace. Peace.